Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work, to reach lost people around the world and here at home, go to traincpe.org. And to learn about our church in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. In Romans chapter 3, verses 25 and 26, twice, God tells us that God's righteousness is proven in the saving work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. We're told there that God's forbearance or suspension of judgment upon sin, which is where the world is today, we have yet to see God's full judgment upon human sins, that this suspension of judgment from God is also a righteous act because of the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And today, we attempt to explain this truth and to apply it to our lives. What this passage tells us is that God has delayed the full expression of His justice. That's the word forbearance there. And that this was in itself a righteous thing for God to do. It's not that God won't punish sin. It's not that God won't deal in perfect and complete judgment at the end of the age. But that God has held back the full unleashing of that justice. He's delayed or he's forbeared in the implementation of his justice against our sins for a purpose. And the reason he's done it is a just reason as well. And so let's think of this in two different ways. So the nation of Israel was taught that if they sinned, they would come to the temple and they'd bring a sacrifice and they'd offer a bull or they'd offer a goat or they'd offer a lamb or they'd offer a dove as some kind of sacrifice for their sins. The book of Hebrews in chapter 10 verse 4 tells us that they knew and we should know that the blood of bulls and goats don't take away sins. But that's what God told them to do. Bring these offerings. And as they brought these offerings, what they were being taught was... An ultimate sacrifice has to be made. An ultimate punishment has to be brought down upon your sins. And God is going to provide the sacrifice that will stand in your place for your sins. And so by faith, you come to God acknowledging your sins, acknowledging that punishment is deserved, acknowledging that God should exact His punishment upon you. But you ask God to mercifully continue to fulfill His righteousness and His judgment but to lay it upon another being or another object. And they didn't know who that was. They didn't know what that sacrifice was going to be, but they looked in anticipation for the time when God would, as Abraham had told his son Isaac, when God would provide himself a sacrifice, when God would give the ultimate sacrifice for their sins. And so in the meantime, God withheld and he kept back the full expression of his judgment upon the sinning nation of Israel and the people that were coming to the temple. He didn't enact his judgments upon them as instead they laid their hands upon the bull or as they laid their hands upon the goat or the lamb or they brought the blood of the dove to be offered up in sacrifice. If God were simply saying, I'm not going to punish these things. We're just going to overlook it this time. Then God would be lax and God would be winking at sin and God would be turning a blind eye to righteousness and in that way God would be unjust and God would be unrighteous but that's not what God was doing. God was waiting to prove his righteousness in forgiving them and in making them righteous by their faith that they were placing in him for that provision. And he proved his righteousness at the cross. Because at the cross of Jesus Christ, he allowed the full weight of all that judgment of sin that the nation of Israel was demonstrating they deserved when they brought their sacrifices. He allowed the full weight of that judgment 
to fall on Jesus. And Jesus took the punishment for their sins. And Jesus suffered. And God forbear fulfilling or carrying out his judgment on the people of Israel as they came because he had determined to wait until he would lay out the full measure of his judgment upon sin, upon the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in their place. That's how God can be just. That's how God forbears. Not just Israel. Let me share with you the rest of the world. God was not only in the Old Testament forbearing with Israel, but he was, and he is today, forbearing with all those in all of world history. Since Adam and Eve fell in sin, God has begun a work of, he knows sin and he knows the punishment he deserves, but God immediately began to forbear himself and restrain himself and suspend and delay the final judgment that we deserve. And so when Adam and Eve sinned, God had told them that the day that they sinned, they would surely die. And there were tremendous judgments that would go along with it. But if you take your Bibles, this here's an assignment for you. Go to Genesis chapter 3 and read verses 14 through 24. And there in Genesis 3, 14 through 24 is the curse that God set upon Adam and Eve and their children because of their sins. And what you'll discover in this curse is it's got a lot of blessings in it. And it's got a lot of hope in it. And it's got a lot of promises in it. And when God even banished them from the Garden of Eden, we discovered there was a reason and purpose for that that was actually merciful and gracious and kind. And as they went out from the Garden, they went out, obviously it was a terrible thing, but they went out with some sense of hope. And so God does things like this in the curse. He promises that ultimate justice will come upon Satan who bought them into deception and deceived them. He promises that as Satan works to bring ruin and misery in the world, that God was going to usurp all of Satan's efforts. He says the serpent will crawl on his belly. And God was basically saying, listen, as a part of this, Satan, I'm going to make you crawl on your belly. Everything that you do to bring destruction and harm, I'm going to turn it for my redemptive purpose. I'm sovereignly going to make you crawl on your belly. And then God turns to the woman, and he promises to the woman that even though she'll have pain in childbirth, that it's her seed that will rise up and crush the serpent's head. And so he promises from the generation of human beings, a savior will rise up to destroy Satan and destroy all of his plans. And so what he did was he put in the heart of every home a hope that your children in the next generation might repeal something of the decay and some of the result of sin and death that have come upon your lives. So when your children are born, even when they're born into fallen worlds and difficult worlds, you rejoice. Here's a chance again for goodness to prevail. And it's a hope that God put in the human nature in the curse. And then he cursed the ground. He said, you know, Adam, you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow because the earth is going to bring back thorns. But God gave Adam a place of productivity and usefulness and a place even by labor to bring provision to his home and family and to steward the creation that God has given him and what wonderful gifts were those and are those? There's something about working and laboring and sweating even. You come home from that. I remember, you know, as a young man, I, I didn't do very much. I, you know, I had to clean my room every Saturday. I muttered if I had to go out in the pasture and scoop up horse patties or whatever it was because it didn't seem fair. But, you know, you did those things. It wasn't very much. Finally, you come to an age where you start to provide for yourself and you've got to work hard and you labor all day. And one of the first jobs I had that was hard labor was with my brother-in-law. We would cut sod all day long and then we'd go in the evening and lay sod and you'd be dirty and you'd be filthy and you'd be bone tired and it felt good. <laughs> God in the curse was something of that sense of meaning and accomplishment and provision to Adam to provide for his family. 
God delays final judgment in the curse. Not only that, God protects them from becoming sealed in their judgment because he drives them out from the garden and he puts a guard over the tree of life lest they eat of the tree of life and somehow be set and settled forever in their rebellion and their fallen natures. That was gracious. It's very gracious of God. The curse demonstrates that immediately upon man's sin, God began to forbear or suspend the full judgment of that sin. Why? How come? Well, because man even sinned, before he even sinned, the Bible tells us of the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. The Bible reveals to us that God already was planning a way of redemption for us in the person of Jesus Christ. And God withheld and does withheld to this day the full expressions of his judgment in hope and in lieu of individuals coming to that cross and that place where their sins are dealt with fully in Jesus Christ. Today, people are living under the curse, but under that curse, they're enjoying great blessings in their relationships and with their children and in their careers and in their enjoyment of the good things that God has provided for them. All this was made available to them because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Whether a person knows it or not, every good thing that they experience in life has been purchased for them by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Every possible enjoyment of every part of life, every blessing that they enjoy, it comes to them by way of the cross. Because the cross allows God to forbear or withhold his final judgment as he waits for people. And he gives individuals the opportunity to find that judgment resting by faith in Jesus Christ and his suffering for them at the cross so that it doesn't have to fall upon them. That's God's grace. That's God's mercy. That's what the cross does for us. Now, if that offering goes unaccepted, if it goes unclaimed by repentance and faith, then this gracious delay itself will speak out on judgment against them because they've abused it. But in all of this, God is showing that he's righteous and he's just as he waits for the full influx of those elect in believing to receive the provision he has for them at the cross. He remains just. And during this time in which he remains just, he's justifying those who have faith in him. See? He's done everything just. And as even as he forbears, he remains just and he continues to pour out his justifying power and saving power upon those who believe upon him. Here's an application for ourselves very quickly. Believers, the just forbearance of God the righteousness of God in giving us a Savior who would bear our punishment has brought to us eternal, everlasting life. It's brought to us forgiveness and a lasting, enduring hope. It's brought to us a personal relationship with God that shall never be interrupted. We should measure everything that we experience of good by way of the cross. Our family, our work, our laughter, our wealth, our health, all of it in some wonderful way was purchased for us in the atonement of Jesus Christ. But don't hold on to any of that too tightly. Hold on to the cross tightly. Hold on to the one who bought it and brought it to you. And next, view everyone else in light of that cross. Here's what I'd say to the person who's yet to believe in Jesus Christ. For the believer, the forbearance of God has purchased for us in faith in Jesus Christ eternal life. But for the unbeliever, the forbearance of God has bought for them time. A limited number of blessings in order to bring them to repentance. 
So I would say this, everything that you have that is good comes to you by way of the cross. And you should look at it the way and see it that way. You should see that all these things have been God's merciful and gracious provision. You didn't deserve, you've yet to get what you deserve and you're getting now what you don't deserve because God is forbearing his judgment upon your life because out ahead of you looms a cross in which Christ would take all of the punishment and everything you deserve upon himself and has. And if you put faith in him, you'd be washed and you can be cleansed. But if you cling to these things and you think that these are your own properties and your own accomplishment, just recognize something. God and his forbearance is giving you a chance. God, in a sense, is giving you hope. But your chance and your hope are fading. If you don't turn to him and don't believe in him, chance and your hope will be lost altogether. For you, you've been given time, but your time is running out. For you, God is multiplying his goodness to you, but the multiplication of his goodness upon your life, if you don't let it turn you to him, will also multiply upon you his condemnation and will increase his judgment on your life. So don't boast over what you've acquired. It was all bought for you with the blood of Jesus Christ. That moment, that opportunity experience, it was delivered to you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, give to him what Jesus is seeking above all else, yourself. Believe in him and trust in him and receive his forgiveness and cleansing. And God will righteously prove his righteousness to you. Thanks for listening in today to The Bread of Life. Keep the missionaries of Church Partnership Evangelism in your prayers as they work in Ecuador and Cambodia and India and Indonesia and Greece and Bulgaria to release the body of Christ as his witnesses. Find out more by going to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.